Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. Today, I have the opportunity to speak with University of Maryland Terrapins women's basketball player, Faith Masonis. Faith, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned before I started uh, recording, a lot of college athletes come on, a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball players will come on. And we usually try to get them on maybe in the off season. So, you know, with your off season currently in the early stages, you know, update me on, you know, what you've been up to since uh, the year ended in March. Yeah. I mean, obviously uh, our year ended in late March. So we had the opportunity to make it to the lead eight, which is amazing, but um, it definitely came to a sad ending with the loss. But I think since the season ended, I was able to, you know, get some rest as we were pounding, pounding, pounding for so many months. I was able to like kind of take a step back and take two to three weeks off and just get my body together and be able to prepare for the off season and for summer training and stuff like that. So right now I'm still in school, but we do, we're doing postseason workouts right now. We do every single day. We're lifting three times a week. We're doing basketball on court workouts three times a week, which is just really nice. And it's good. And they're different type of workouts in the season. So really just trying to like get our weight up and, just get stronger and stronger for the season to come. And I'm actually going to Colorado in the first week of the first weekend of May for three on three for USA. And we're just training, training for that right now. Um, definitely got to get back into shape with that one. Cause going to Colorado, the altitude is going to be challenging, but just getting ready for that and getting ready for summer workouts and stuff like that. Yeah, what's your anticipation and expectations for playing in the altitude? Um, so I've actually been to Colorado a few times and played there. So it is it, it is a lot challenging, a lot more challenging than it is to play, um, you know, here in Maryland or even where I'm from. So it's definitely a challenge, but I'm going to have to be able to, like, stay hydrated and just push through because most of the time it's just mental toughness when you get to play in Colorado and places like that. But it will be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned USA basketball, three on three nationals. It's going to be May 5th or the 7th. How did you, you know, get named to that? How did you hear about that? You know, what was that process? Um. Yeah, I think that the USA, you know, three on three people who kind of just run the program, Um, they select a few schools that they like to, you know, send it's usually four of their players too, and obviously, um, it's only people from the U.S. So we have a few people who can't go who are you know international and stuff like that. But um, I think it's the coaches who just kind of approve four different people and give them the ability to go play. I had went and played two years ago with a few of my teammates. We went to Massachusetts and played, so it was a really cool experience. So I'm definitely excited to be able to get out there and go play again. Yeah, absolutely. So as we as you touched on early in the podcast, your season ended in the Elite Eight to South Carolina. It was the program's first Elite Eight appearance since 2015. You know, give me your thoughts on just the overall success of the team and you individually. Yeah, I mean, 
after my freshman year got cut cut short from COVID. Um, we came in sophomore year, we made it to the Sweet 16. And then again, my junior year, I wasn't playing, but we made it to the Sweet 16. And just being able to finally push past that little Sweet 16 stunt that we were at uh, was really exciting for our team and our program, especially just like me and Diamond who had come in together and gone through those being stuck at two Sweet 16. So getting to lead it was definitely exciting for us. But the success of our team, I think a lot of people didn't have high expectations for us coming into this season. We just had a lot of pieces that left that we kind of needed to figure out what we were going to do as a team to be successful. And I think we really just took advantage of like the underdog mentality and put our heads down and went to work and were able to, you know, fill those positions and um, just become out successful in the end with it. And we made it to Elite Eight. And like you said, it was the first time in program history in a little bit. So we're just leaving our legacy. And I think we really did this past year. How long did it take you to kind of put that loss behind you in the rear view mirror and then focus on the off season? Did it take a couple of days? Um, I think it definitely took a couple of days. Uh, definitely upset right after um, very high emotions. And it's just a tough loss. It's a tough way to go out, especially when you really have high hopes of, I mean, we went into that game, we, we went into that game and we were like, we're winning this game. So not coming out with the expectation, you know, that we would hope for. It was definitely hurt. Uh, it was definitely hurt. So definitely took a few days to get ready to kind of move on and put our heads down and go back to work. Um, I promise this entire podcast isn't going to focus on the loss, but um, <laughs> I am curious. Obviously, South Carolina ended up losing the next round, but... They entered that game with an undefeated record. Did you and the team think about that at all, knowing that they hadn't lost? Um, I think, obviously, uh, South Carolina's basketball spoke for itself. This past year, they were undefeated until their last game. So, obviously, that was on our mind. But for us, preparing for that game, we went into that trying to figure out a way, you know, to change their change that streak for them. We kind of went into that game and tried to do something that other teams haven't done and I think we really gave them a run for their money and kind of set the tone for the rest of the tournament for people to you know go at them pressure them and make them really feel it so I mean yes it was on our minds but it didn't really have an effect on how we were going to play because at the end of the day we can only beat ourselves definitely so you tore your ACL in early January of last year of 2022 <clears throat> at Indiana. You know, talk to me about that moment, your recovery and the road back. Yeah, I mean, I think it was earlier in early in the third quarter. Um we were on defense and I went to go I went to go get a steal and I got the steal and I turned a really awkward way. And right when it happened I just felt like a weird pop and I was like okay that didn't feel good like I fell to the ground I kind of just grabbed my knee and I was like okay this feels weird my first initial thought I'm like yep I just tore my ACL I mean you hear stories and you're like you kind of just know and it's different for everyone um I've heard stories and I've heard people screaming in pain from their ACL for me like that wasn't the case I wasn't really screaming in pain I was kind of just scared but yeah I went back got checked out by some trainers and they're the surgeon was there too as well. So I told him, I was like, look, 
can you just tell me it's my ACL? So every single one of them was like, it's your ACL. So I was like, okay, I'm good. Um, I go back on the bench and my teammates are like, Faith, I thought it was your ankle. I was like, no guys, it was my knee. So right then and there, I kind of just had to start figuring out what I was going to do. I mean, then I got confirmed. I tore my ACL, had surgery. And I think that's really when like the journey really started. I think the emotional part for it, for me, um, really hit, I think after like maybe four or five months after surgery, that's when it kind of just started getting, um, you know, the routine just became another thing. So I think that was definitely mentally and physically very hard on me. And it definitely allowed me to come out stronger in the end. I mean, PT every single day. And then I get back to being able to run and start to cut. So I'm learning how to cut again. I'm learning how to run correctly. So I'm not limping or I'm not like giving myself a little weird hitch or anything like that. So it's definitely a lot behind the scenes that goes into it that if you don't go through an ACL injury, it's it's really hard to truly understand what it takes to get back. And I think it's definitely going to help me in the end, in the end and um, for my future. I mean, I want to be a coach. So being able to help players who go through the same injury or even my teammates is definitely going to allow me to like be a better leader in person at the end of the day. So everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm doing great now. My knee, obviously, there's soreness here and there, but it's strong. It's good. I got through the season, which I was really proud of. So all the hard work uh, definitely made it more that that much better after. Right. Now, you were able to return and play 35 games this season. When you were in that stage of battling mentally and in that in the offseason of the year prior, was it your goal to play all 35? Did you expect to play once the 2023 season started? Yeah, so definitely. I think when I had torn my ACL, if it was going to happen, that was definitely the perfect time for it to happen. It set me up to be able to have those expectations of playing in the, the next season. And I really pushed myself and um, wanted to push myself to get back into shape so I was prepared to play in the season. So definitely that was in the, the back of my head. Um, going into this season, I try not to have high expectations of how I was going to play, how much I was going to play, how many games I was going to be able to play in. Because for me, it wasn't a sprint. It was the marathon. So it was the end result of how am I going to how am I going to feel? How's my knee going to feel? How's my body going to feel during the season and trying to take it easy? My coaches, my staff definitely helped me planning like sometimes no extra work, kind of cutting practices a little short for me, sitting out certain drills, limiting how many reps I got due to the amount of playing time. So it was kind of, you know, give and take here and there. And some days if I was really sore, like they would allow me to like sit out or do certain, certain things that would help me recovery wise, which was really nice because coming back from injury is, is super difficult. And when you come back, it's not like the injury's just gone. It definitely, um, you know, still lingers a little. So you really just have to manage it and be able to understand and know your body. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
kind of when it reaches the limit to just take a pause and take a step back and just breathe for a second and then in the end I'll be fine going through that rehab process and then building yourself back up for this past season what do you think you learned the most just from a injury prevention and uh injury recovery I think one thing that I really learned and now truly like understand and I'm grateful for is recovery um stretching getting in the ice bath getting massages different stuff like that like giving myself a few days is really important and understanding that your body needs rest to be successful so I mean if you have to limit yourself one day so the next day you can be great then do so I think it's really important and something that sometimes people don't understand that sometimes not go 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 is always going to be the best thing for you slowing down and giving your body a break for a day or two is in the end going to make you more successful Mm -hmm. now i want to take it back to when you were in high school you were ranked as a top 50 player in high school from the state of new jersey talk about the girls basketball landscape in the on the east coast in new jersey uh, in particular Yeah, I mean, uh, New Jersey, I think, is pretty well known for having some good basketball players. We're very close to New York, New York City. So I think, you know, New Jersey, New York sometimes go hand in hand. Like we're always I used to play New York City, Brooklyn all the time. And girls I know from New York used to come to Jersey. We used to always play together. We'd find pickup games and go play at gyms. But for my area, we, we call it this the short conference. I know a lot of good players come out of there, D1 basketball players. Um, the conference is very competitive. On my, I think it was my junior of high school, well, my sophomore junior year, I was with my cousin Stella. She played at Northeastern. And my sister, who, these are all D1 basketball schools. So my cousin went to Northeastern. My sister went to Wagner. My one of my best friends, she went to Virginia Tech, who now goes to Notre Dame. And then another player, another player, uh, Lola Mullaney, she plays on Harvard. So it's like we had a lot of good basketball talent. And, you know, we were very successful and we used to play against top players. Like we played against Diamond, Diamond Miller, who was my teammate here at Maryland. And we were just very successful and it, it was definitely a lot of fun and helped me prepare me for college basketball was playing against all these great players every single day in practice and just getting in the gym and stuff like that. So definitely prepared me uh, to be very competitive in college. A lot of great players come out of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Diamond Miller. She was drafted in the WNBA draft recently but you talked about how you played against her in high school and then eventually you became teammates. How did that feel like knowing her for so long and then like as a competitor and then eventually she became your teammate? Yeah. I mean, me and Diamond used to go back and forth a lot in high school. Um, So her dad and my mom know each other just from being coaches and AAU and stuff like that. So me and Diamond basically like grew up playing against each other and high school was really competitive. But I think once we got to college, we were roommates for, was it three years? Four, oh, yeah, three years of college. So me and her got really close. And obviously, like, being from Jersey, we just had that connection. And freshman year, I didn't have a car. So we used to drive back and forth from New Jersey back to school with each other. So I think 
you know, that just kind of made it that much better. But yeah, I'm just super happy for Diamond. She's got drafted number two. Like, that's literally insane. <laughs> so I'm just very, very happy for her. Me and some of my teammates were able to go to New York City to draft to support her. So that was definitely a lot of fun. And she definitely deserves all of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I got, you know, another question for you. Were you able to watch this season's national championship between Iowa and LSU? Yes, I watched the game. I feel like as a basketball player, you can't not watch it. Obviously, it sinks not being there and playing in the game, but that's that's a game that you can't miss. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I was going to focus on in the sense of it had amazing ratings. You had Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark just going at it, but talk about it because of the ratings were so high what you feel as a you know a college women's basketball player about the growth of the sport not only this year but what it could potentially become next season and beyond yeah i mean definitely comparing this past season to when we were in the bubble is that it was my sophomore year in the bubble with all the disparities between men's and women's basketball and that was just in the bubble alone um those were just a few examples and i think now you know, fast forward two years, you see more people watching women's games than you are men's. I think this year, the women's tournament was so much fun to watch. Heard so many people say it was more fun to watch than the men's. And I think, you know, with the media coverage and just the social media, because it is our world now, like social media is covering everything and having huge name players being able to, you know, promote women's basketball and just empower women's basketball and get more viewership and hit those records of most attendance or highest attendance rate or most broadcasting like women's basketball has ever seen is definitely is definitely just trending in the right direction and it obviously like makes me proud to be a women's basketball player and try to contribute and obviously do my part and watch the game and support women's basketball and continue to you know just bring it up and it's it's so much fun to watch and it's it's nice for people to finally recognize um, the work female athletes put in. Did anybody maybe that you knew personally or whether it was a student or a fan, not only watch your games, but sh- like they witnessed the, the increase of exposure of the sport in the game and they actually let you know? Yeah. I mean, I think definitely a lot of people on social media have reached out and they're just like, just giving compliments or like these games are so much fun to watch. Like there's, it's amazing because so many games this year, there was so many, um, you know, upsets and so many buzzer beaters and like the games were just so awesome. So it was so cool for seeing people just like posting, you know, buzzer beaters or like people who are having like 40 point games. So it's crazy. But some of my family members, they have obviously like other family members or like friends that they'll be texting. My my cousin's friends are texting them like, oh, my God, we're watching your sis- your cousin's game. Like we're going crazy. Like we're having watch parties or or having like family friends like their families like are getting into basketball because they're watching specific people or hearing about it on social media. And so it is it is cool hearing that so many different people who are getting into women's basketball and it's funny because some of them don't even watch men's basketball like they're just watching the women so it's pretty cool to hear so i got some quick hitters for you 
what are three words to best describe your game? Ooh, I would say the glue, uh, hardworking, and grit, if I had to. <laughs> I model my game after which NBA player or WNBA player? Ooh, that's a hard question. I can't say a specific person, but I love watching uh, Stewie, so... But I wouldn't say her. I don't know. That's a hard question. What are three words you think your opponents would describe your game as? Annoying, strong, and I don't know what a third one would be. <laughs> I would definitely say like annoying. I'm strong too. And sneaky. That's a good one. You could play one on one versus one current or retired professional basketball player who would it be i could play one-on-one um shack that would be so funny <laughs> how do you think you would do against shack not good at all but i think it would just be a funny experience he's a funny dude <laughs> um yeah that would be hilarious <laughs> Before you got to college and you were playing in New Jersey at the high school level and before that, which player did you really idolize? Um, you know what was crazy is I never really, growing up, I didn't really watch college basketball that much. Like, I didn't know how big of a thing it was. But I'm trying to remember who I used to watch. Oh. So I have my family friends that used to play at Notre Dame, the Mabrys. I used to watch them all the time. So I think I would say like Michaela and Marina Mabry. What about the um, WNBA or NBA level, like at the professional level back then? Sue Bird. I love Sue Bird's game. She's a goat. <laughs> Aside from being a basketball player, I want to be known as what? Besides a basketball player, I want to be known as a great person. Okay. So after your basketball career is over, whether that is you're playing in the WNBA, you get drafted, you play professionally overseas somewhere. You mentioned coaching. Would that really be your ultimate goal? Would it be getting that coaching level and coach men and women, you know, maybe having to deal with injuries or just that? you know, handling adversity? Um, I think my, you know, ultimate goal is to be a D1, maybe one day a head coach. Um, definitely for women's basketball, I want to continue to help grow the game of women's basketball and kind of just, you know, give athletes all the things that they deserve, especially female athletes, and set them up for life after basketball. Back in 2022 you were a part of the nil summit what do you think you learned from that and what have you been able to take away from that and use it to your own advantage yeah i mean that was definitely a great experience hopefully i get to go um that was the first annual one which was pretty awesome to be part of um i think away from that i took definitely you know knowing my own worth when it comes to nil but also just in life 
But I think one thing that really stuck with me was being able to put myself out there and not being afraid to, you know, going up to people, introducing myself, going to companies that I want to work with and contacting them. I mean, the worst thing they could say is no. So I think one thing I really took away from that is definitely knowing your self-worth and don't being don't be afraid to put yourself out there and, you know, take a risk. Absolutely. Now, to to really kind of wrap up this this episode for the listeners out there provide them if you if you would want you know social media plugs your twitter instagram the people maybe at the if they're a current college athlete or maybe they're aspiring to be one you know what are the ways they can reach out to um i mean i i always have my instagram it's at faith masonis uh i think that's one that i'm definitely i can see you know dms and stuff like that but also my tiktok it's the same thing faith masonis but yeah, I think those reach out the most. All right. Anything else that you'd like to mention about you as a player, as a person, um, now that you're on the podcast? I think one thing that I would love to preach, if you're an athlete, you're not an athlete first, you're a person first. So, you know, don't let sports or anything like that completely take over your life. You're a human first. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. We've had, like I mentioned earlier, a handful of college basketball players, both of the men and women level that have come on. Appreciate you coming on and talking about your story for this past season and then in the years uh, previously. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. For those who are listening to our show for the first time, all our past and future episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Sports Mecca.